106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new. So, uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. And we're on the board. SP futures up 11.75. Nasdaq futures up 8.75. We try and build on the rally of yesterday. The amazing turnaround rally. The incredible turnaround rally. About 14, 15, 1600 points in the Dow spin around. Crazy, crazy stuff. Kevin, how are you? I am doing okay. It's a miracle, isn't it? It is a miracle. Did you watch our, speaking of in the dark, did you watch our, in the darkness last night, did you watch our Dead from the Neck Up Ball Club? <laughs> three, three first and goal situations, zero points. That's that's got to be a new record. The record that'll the never be broken. The offensive line for the Bears is so bad. And goal to go is all about, yeah, all about you know the offensive line. Well, wait and a minute. The quarterback they threw, just could not get a push. The quarterback yeah. overthrew the guy by fifteen feet oh, to one okay. pass. One bad throw, but that you know th- three trips into the into the zone. You should be able to run that in every time they ran the ball in the uh, uh, in a goal to go situation. They got stuffed. See, I, I'm of the opinion. Uh, again, this is uh, one man. You played a lot more football than I did. I'm of the opinion that at that level of football, if you have eight people stacked in without any hope of anybody uh, breaking loose and getting behind somebody, where your linebackers can be a yard and a half behind the the D line. And you're, there's no chance of your tight end breaking out and they have to guard anybody. I think it's really hard to do anything in the NFL if people know what you're doing. Well, I, I, I agree, and I think there could have been some opportunities in that game for the uh, uh, for the Bears in goal to go to put uh, Fields on the move, so that uh, he would put some pressure on the defense to either commit, come up and get him, or um, or uh, um, or to stay back and see if and hope he doesn't run. You know, and I, I think there's some you know legitimate reason to uh, criticize the play calling that they've had. But aside from that, you know, you know, you know, the offense knows when the ball is going to be snapped. The defense doesn't. Um, you you have that little bit of initiative. So when you're on the one half yard line and you can't push it in, uh, look, how many how many really outstanding offensive linemen do you think the Bears have? None. The the best one is Cody Weyer, and he's an IR. Yeah. Well, um, but you, you and, can't. And, and at best, he's average. But we're talking about a guy that he's a second-year quarterback. He has amazing talent. He probably should be a halfback. 
uh, running back. But he, he he's down there twice, Kevin, and he he lines one of the opposite guy's helmet on one play. His helmet, not blacked, and the other one he overthrew a guy by twenty yards. Those are two touchdowns. I mean, they're right there. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I yeah. hear you, Tom. I hear what you're saying. What I'm telling you is, what was that guy's helmet doing so close to the quarterback in the first place? Well, I mean, he. They, they, there's no no such thing as a passing lane, and but he had how many balls blocked last night? He, he just he throws oh, and, and, he's, and he's how many times did he get knocked down to the ground? Oh, how oh, many times did oh, he? I, I'm, I'm with uh, you. Was he slow to get up? I mean, the guy took a beating last. Well, night. what's the highest? Other than Jenkins, if he's playing, and he's and he's only playing because what's the highest draft pick offensive lineman they have? If you have a list of the the uh, how many? They're, they're starting a, a like a sixth round rookie. They're starting a, um, uh, uh, you know, Borum was, uh, I think he's second year. You know, guys like that um, can become solid uh, offensive linemen in the in the pros, just like anybody who's, you know, taken down the draft can become solid. Every once in a while you find a real gem. But I sort of liken it to baseball or, or basketball. Basketball's a good analogy. If, look, if you're extraordinarily gifted, if, if you know, if you're one of those freak uh, offensive linemen, you can come in and play right away. And if your technique's a little bad, or if um, uh, if you're uh, you know you're you're in the, you're a little off balance and you're getting beat, you recover because you have superior athleticism. So you can recover and still make your block. But if you if you uh, if you don't have that kind of athleticism, then your technique has to be perfect for you to be a solid offensive lineman. And that takes a lot of time. So, you know, that's why you see most of these uh, low-round picks on the offensive line who wind up being having good NFL careers usually don't blossom until their third or, you know, in some cases even the fourth year. Uh, because you, you, can't, you just can't overcome your flaws with athleticism like the uh, high-round picks can. And that's you know that's one of the hugest differences, and you see that uh, you see that in basketball. You know, take uh, uh, take college basketball as an example. You know, uh, if, if you if you're beaten, you know, if you're if you're trying to defend the post, and you're not as gifted as you know, say some of those high round guys that always seem to wind up at Duke. Yeah. Then yeah. When when you lose uh, you lose positioning on defense, you're not going to block the shot from behind. You don't have that kind of ability. Um, Whereas you know those guys will, because uh, they can recover just you know on pure athleticism. It's why so many of those you know three-star types of recruits who become good basketball players don't become good basketball players until they're juniors in college. Well, plus it also shows when you have when you have both. I always one of our buddies. We'll use his name on the air because he's old. Uh, in the in our dorm football, one of the guys, one of our buddy, Craig Fowler, was an attorney in Chicago. Well, Craig had the the best schooling. Went to one of those football places in uh, where was he Sandusky or someplace Ohio, and uh, and he uh, I don't but he knew he knew all the techniques, and he just didn't grow. He actually was being recruited by a couple colleges, and he just stopped growing. So he was a you know pretty solid player. But you look at him, you never think he was an offensive lineman. Well, on a dorm team, he's playing against guys that were, were bit now are now bigger than him, and. Uh, he came out of the game. He looked like he was in a bar fight. Yet his guy never got got through. <laughs> he was always in front of him. He had the footwork down from when he was like a sophomore in, in high school. He must have learned. 
And but you know, then those guys. Then you get a guy like Jimbo Covert, who has both. He has he has the, the coaching, he has the athleticism, and he's a big guy. <laughs> and you're like, well, you're well, never. That's going. the thing is now you take the athleticism and you put that you, you put that with all the technique, and that's your all pro. Yeah. Well, I just I mean I, I don't know how I mean you know it's been my my theme on the Bears for a long time is that because of multiple years now this year is different. Uh, I will have to admit this year is different. They had. More than their allotment. Like 14, 14 uh, rookies on the team. Yeah, they they have all these young, pretty fast guys, and if and if half of them pan out at all, but still, I, I think Kevin, every, every team, and you know this, it's all about numbers. You've got essentially five offensive linemen going against four defensive linemen, or three, and, and if one of your guys is outstanding, now you're now you're four on three. If two of your guys are outstanding, now you're three on two, and even the bum should be able to do that, right? Uh, and it's and it's on the defense too. If there's a guy, you always have to double team. Well, all of a sudden now you got everybody else looks a lot better. I mean, uh, the, the, who was the guy that's uh, did, with Steve McMichael? Even though he was a, he was a very solid ball player, if he wasn't on the Bears, would he even have been noticed if he didn't play between Dan Hampton and the fridge? For God's sake! Yeah, he would have been somebody's you know average. You know, average defensive tackle. Yeah, and I, and a little I, crazy, you know, a little crazy, which helps when you're playing football. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, yeah, he, he he wasn't that gifted, but yeah, you know, when he when nobody double teamed him, that, that was a good that was a good thing for him. Well, and I think that you have uh, two guys, and I'm not saying they weren't great football players. They were. Uh, one was Jack Lambert from the Steelers, and the other was it was it Leroy Jordan from the uh, Cowboys. And I'm, and I'm going to say that equivocally, unequivocally, the only reason they are in the Hall of Fame is because one guy played be- behind Lean Joe Green and the other guy played behind Bob Lilly. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, that, so not only, you know, what you're saying is not only do you get the, um, the, the great play from the, you know, from your star, but it, it makes everybody else better. Um, not because, not necessarily because of, um, you know, because he's, you know, like, an, uh, like a great point guard in basketball who makes everybody else better. It's a different kind of makes everybody else better. He just draws so much attention. Same thing with wide receivers. When you have that really, really great wide receiver, then, you know, the pedestrian ones can do it. Uh, you know, you, or, or even just speed at that position. You know, you can have, you can have Dennis McKinnon opposite Willie Galt. Nobody was, you know, everybody was worried about golf. Was he? He wasn't a Hall of Fame caliber receiver. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't great. But damn, he was fast. He'd get behind you, and if, so if you, if you didn't pay attention to him, and that gave Dennis McKinnon a chance to have a really nice career. Well, you, you ever hear the? I, I couldn't believe I heard this one day. It never, never was uh, talking about the wordage. Uh, Jay Hilgenberg was, uh, you know, he does the before the bear, bear stuff. He started talking about wide receivers, and Jay goes, well, you know. As a center, you're kind of in the middle of everything, <laughs> which is true. He goes, I bend over the ball, and for the first couple of years, it was like really dark. Like no sun even got through to the ball. There were so many people there. So all of a sudden, we got Willie Galt. because it was lighted there. <laughs> there, there, there were, he goes, all of a sudden, there were guys worried about somebody else other than Walter Payton. And, uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's the truth. It's, I mean, uh, you know, the Green Bay, when, when the Bears played Green Bay in the, in the 60s, I mean, Green Bay had Forrest Gregg, who was a serious player. They had uh, Nitschke. They had they had their guys, you know, and then the Bears had their guys too. But there, there's always f- five or six people that use, they call them difference makers, right? 
And I don't. I think the Bears need. They need an all-pro, a caliber guy in their offensive line to give, to give the other guys a chance, and they don't have one. Yes, they do, and they, they should have the op- you know, given what we would all expect their record to be, they should have an opportunity to take that guy. Um, so you know, and, and much like you know, the, the the reaction to that might or might not be. I think fans, most fans can, not even most. I think a lot of fans are pretty sophisticated about these things, and will say, yeah, that was a big area of need, and if we got the Studley one, great. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody likes the flashy toy, the speedy wide receiver, and, and they need those, too. But the, the speedy wide receiver, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the guy who's going to uh, put a lot of points himself on the board, but that, that's what they need more than anything else, and that's what they haven't drafted in I can't remember how long. Well, they're just, they're just short people. And uh, wasn't Helgenberg was the other guy. Was it Swansea? He says, uh, a couple weeks ago, he says, because realistically... This is the game they they beat again. I don't know they, it was a game they won or whatever. He's realistically, how many people on our offense would start for the other team? <laughs> the answer is like none. Well, Montgomery would. Uh, he's one of the best backs around, and then, and this, the guy behind him probably would too. Komet's decent. I mean, he might. Uh, I don't know, is there anybody else? Yeah, but it's been kind of a disappointment to me. You know, he, again, it 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 might be who's throwing to him. It might, you know, there might be a lot of other factors in there, but um, Kevin, he's blocking you know, every I, play. I sort of expected Komet to be better than he has. They're been. they're they're uh, they're they're running two thirds at a time. He's blocking two thirds at a time, and whenever the guy catches a pass, there's at least two people around him. And normally, your tight end can get away free because everybody's worried about your wide receivers. Yeah, that's what a good you, point. What have you ever seen? The, what have you ever seen the guy like? Look look at the guy on uh, how, however good he is. The guy on, on Kansas City. The guy's always open. There's nobody around him. Like the guys that all pro, how do, you, how do you forget about him? Because was because they're worried about the other guys, right? Anyhow. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a good point. Okay, I'll go easy on Comet for a little while. Yeah, I, I just think they're you know they're lacking so much. But the most appalling thing is you ought, you know in the NFL, you know just because the way the free agent market works, there are competent offensive linemen out there every year that you can sign. They may not be all pros, but you might get a five-year guy who really knows how to block. And the Bears went out and tried to get a couple of those this year. Um, you know, I think they have one starting. I think they have one injured. So, you know, maybe that's part of the problem. But nevertheless, they just they don't have them. And well, the one year... It, 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 it makes them really, really difficult to watch because every once in a while they'll spring a guy free. It, it's, it's not that there's, you know, that they're all zeros and it isn't that they aren't trying. They just, you know... They, they, when, when when it's time to really go up and get a push um, on, on short yardage situations on the goal line and so on, they just don't have. Guys. Well, your 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 guy you guys love to hate, Herb Street last night was said that the Bears got to get the ball outside because he goes their only two competent blockers are their tackles. And he goes actually the wide receivers are good blockers too. So they got to get out there because that's where their blockers are. Yeah, and and it's kind of dismaying that they don't do that. You know, I, I understand if they're saying, "Hey, we want them to learn what the offense is going to be over the long haul." I, that you know, I sort of get that, except that uh, wouldn't you want to get the guy some success? Well, plus the two, uh, yeah, wouldn't you want to put him in a position to do some good things and build his confidence? Well, plus the two, two the Guardians' two best guys that are two interior tackles. So that, that one guy is a stud. The one guy that kept yeah, not the Guardians, it's the Commanders. Command whatever. Different, different, more politically correct name. Oh God. Um, yeah. Hey. Uh, so yesterday, what? What is? I mean, I, I look at this. Your 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 buddy. Your not your buddy, but the 
the guy Jeremy Siegel was on yesterday and uh, ran and raving about the Fed. Well, now I, I'm either either I'm listening to him, which I, I didn't, uh, or he he's listening to the show. I, I don't he he was he he was they had him on for like a half hour on, on a tout radio or tout TV, and he was uh, just saying that you, you can't look at the CPI because the numbers are just they're 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 uh, behind. And I, I don't understand. Is, is there some sort of respect? I mean, all this morning I'm listening to News Radio 78. And I'm listening to talking about the, this number yesterday. Kevin, finally, they're starting to shove some of the price of home ownership and the rent through the CPI. Okay, last year they had it up six percent when we all know it was up twenty percent on on the housing prices and forty percent on the mortgage. Well, the mortgage is, if anything, is higher, but the housing prices in most parts of the country have either stopped going up or, or sinking a little bit. And Audrey says in Orland, because of total lack of supply, they're still not coming down. Or if they are, it's you know not perceptible. But that's a, that's an unusual case because people are still leaving other areas here in, in this area. But uh, I got I have to believe nationally they're coming off their peaks, and the the places where they were craziest, like California, and New York, I think they're off significantly from the crazy top. Now they're still pretty high, but I, I don't understand why. Kevin, it's so obvious. It was, it was there in the 80s that the CPI number is a, an amazing lagging stuff. And the first thing I would do would be the head of the Fed. I'd call up the head of the CPI and say, let's have lunch. Let's have a drink. What, why is it that when I read these numbers, it, I feel like I'm, where are we? We're in, we're in October. I feel like it's like last May. I mean, there, there must be a reason for that, why it's so lagging. Because it was lagging. I think, I think Volcker didn't have to put the savings and loans out of business. Or he might have done it for another reason because the banks didn't like it. Well, especially nowadays, Tom, because we have we have the technology. You know, I mean, the this whole uh, you know idea of what what is big data analytics and uh, um, and 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 what's involved and what kind of tools are there. That's all there. We could be doing this in real time. Um, now, I don't know that you want to react to every little real time uh, uh, movement one way or another, but we certainly can have timely information. Well, you you uh, do, but but that but. but that, but again, you know, information is dangerous in the hands of policymakers. Well, but that, um, I think you do because if, if you look at if you look at the thing in its whole, it, it, let's for instance, whatever. This is going to sound stupid, but th- three ships hauling rice wherever they haul rice, even though we we make more rice, we grow more rice here. I think just about anybody. Uh, three containers hauling rice go down in the, in the in the Pacific, so rice spikes double one month. Okay, well, fine. That should be in the system, because price rice is point zero 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 two of of the of the basket. So what if it doubles in a month? Right? As long as long as as long as the general number isn't screwed up, or you don't make massive errors in some areas that are big, like like housing, that that's the way prices are. They're supposed to go up and down individually in different areas. There's a shortage of cottage cheese someplace. Okay, cottage cheese goes up. All of a sudden, there's a there's a glut of eggs. Guess what? Eggs going. That's that's that is all part of a healthy free economy. This is supposed to be doing that, but when you net it all out, it comes out about even, right? It should, because if people are spending more on the rice, they're not going to buy it. They're going to buy less of a dozen eggs. I mean, it, it, there's a there's a choreography to this that I really wonder why are people at the highest end. And I, I don't have a PhD or anything, but I understand this. There's there's a choreography to all this stuff. That's why they call it economics. I mean, if, if if something flares up in one area, it's going to flare down in another area, unless you have an overall p- 
pouring money in or pulling unless money unless out. Unless you're just dumping too damn much money into the economy. Or, or pulling it out, yeah. Up. Oh, right. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get the... These guys have... They, they, they must have the radio on in a limousine. They must know that the, that the big push in housing prices were last year and not this year. Even if you say that they're not going down now, they're, they're clearly not going up, at least not very much. So they, they must know that. So as soon as you look at the, at the numbers, you see that, the, that they have, in the last couple of months, certainly in this month, they've got housing prices going up higher than they did last year when we know they were like going up by the day. You, have, you, you, you must, without you know, castigating the, the, the CPI people on national TV, you have to realize that. I don't understand why they, why they don't, or they do if if they do, and they're and they're still acting this way. Then they got another agenda, which I don't know what that is. Well, and so that that was going to be my question for you. Is so what you know? Just theorize what what possible explanations could there be uh, for for not changing the way they do this? Because you know, again, like I said, we have technology to do this all way better and to and to make adjustments uh, to how we report and so on. We have, we can do that. And, and even if you say, well, we want to maintain the integrity of the past, that's okay. You can go backwards and remodel. You know, that, that's, that's easy to do, too. Um, you know, so if you want to rebalance and say, let's make it an apples-to-apples comparison, we can do that. Uh, that. That's all, it's all the kind of stuff that people routinely do in business. So, so the question is, why wouldn't you change that? Well, uh, could be you're stupid and don't know better. Could be you're lazy and you just don't like doing initiatives. Could be you like to be able to manipulate the numbers. Well, I'm going to go back to uh, Volker. I tend to think it's the last one. Well, I, I'm going to go back to Paul Volker, and I honestly believe, as I'm getting more suspicious in my old age, I'm going to say that he and the banks wanted the savings and loans out of business. And there are an awful lot of people, some of them in academia, a lot of them at the University of Chicago, by the way, uh, foresaw this <coughs> broadening of the uh, the risk and how mortgages should be a you know they should be sold like bonds and stocks they should be a, a commodity just like everything else and we should spread this risk around and the people in the neighborhood have no business taking the risks of the houses in the neighborhood even though people are pretty happy with it uh, <coughs> and we should we should spread all this around these savings and loans were just and the savings and loans were were dying to become uh, Back back in those days, but if, if people recall, savings and loans you could not have a you couldn't have a checking account. There was no such thing as a as a demand deposit at a savings and loan. Checking account is technically called a demand deposit. You it's you can go in there and you have to they have to give you your money like instantly. Savings uh, savings account the old passbook or it doesn't have to be a passbook it's a savings account. Right now there's almost a blur between the two of them because they'll transfer one to the other back and forth. But in those days, you didn't a savings account. The savings loans paid paid more than the bank. So the bank's savings account maybe paid three. Savings loan paid three and a half, right, Kevin? Because ba- savings right, loans, yeah, it, well, or or higher, even four and a half, five. Because they're because they're they were, I believe, was it eighty percent of their loans had to be mortgages or eighty five? It was a big number. Yeah, they had, it was it was basically so so the assets were long term and and so they could afford and, and they matched them, you know the. Uh, the gap management was with long-term uh, liabilities, i.e., deposits. Well, you're, so you're, you're deposits, savings accounts, things like that that tended to ha- have a longer shelf life, weren't so volatile. 
Well, plus, and, and, then they, then they went out and said, "No, no, we have to compete. We need now accounts negotiable." Yeah. So it's not it's not a checking account. It's a now account, and a now account is a negotiable order of withdrawal. In other words, it's a check uh, with a different name. Well, they, but they also so to that be was when they started really competing, you know, trying to compete directly with banks. Well, to be to be fair, uh, I mean, I had passbook at Evergreen Savings and Loan, and if you read the fine print. They could they could hold your money for ninety days if you wanted. Or was it sixty? It was it, yeah. it was not a demand deposit. I mean, but 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 as time went by, nobody ever wasn't able to go to the savings and loan and get your dough the day after you put it in, right? Yeah, no, George <laughs> Bailey was going to give it to you no matter yeah. what. So, so what ended up happening is they said, well, we want to be more like banks, and I think the banks said, well, fine, we want you out of business first chance we get, and and they did. I mean, I, anyway, that's I don't know if it's fair to say that, but it's. Let's put it this way. It's well, coincidental. I, I think there's a lot of truth to it, Tom. I, I also think, though, that um, you, you had situations where uh, a lot of those SNLs were mutuals, and they essentially were family businesses using other people's money. Um, and so, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't always operated in the most sound, uh, with the most sound approaches. But aside from that, even when they did start to liquidate on purpose, you know, for, forget the, the ones that went out of business, um, but the one, a lot of them liquidated on purpose. You know, all they did was convert to stock institutions, and uh, um, and of course the insiders got the stock because you know if, if it was a mutual, you'd send out a mailer to everybody saying uh, you have a right to convert your uh, deposit into stock, and you can buy the stock at X. And um, and, and so you, you know that mailer would go out. Half the world would just ignore it. It's more crap from the uh, from the bank. You throw it, you throw it in the garbage, and everything that's left over, the insiders would buy um, before everything got public or before they got acquired by uh, by a bank. So you know, that, that quick, was a game. That after, was part of the game too. After after the break, we have a, we a quick story about that. SP futures up nine, as futures up four. Hope this keeps going. We had a spectacular day yesterday. I'm happy to say, uh, be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP futures up eight, and as if it's a buck seventy-five, make that two seventy-five. It's hopping around here. Uh, Dow futures up one ninety-nine. Individual stocks we've got going up a buck sixty. We got American Express up a buck forty-five. Uh, we've had uh, no. This is this is whoa. No, this is this is pre-market. We still have the, the Dow is up. Everything in the Dow is up here. JP Morgan up a buck eighty. They came out with earnings. They beat on earnings. There uh, we go. United Health up eight oh nine. There we there we there we have it. Uh, so that's about 60 points in the Dow right there. Um, I knew there was going to be one in there that caused it. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 853. That's 3 and a quarter percent. These guys have been getting hammered lately. Shanghai up 55, 1.8%. Hang Seng up 198, 1.2%, but still 16,587. Um, as, as Russell was saying yesterday, this area's got some trouble. Uh, Japan stocks move up more than 3%. Asia markets gain after Wall Street's rally. We'll see if this rally holds. This, this is very, very interesting. I, it's like all new to me, and I've been here a long time. Uh, DAX up 166, 1.3%. FTSE up 88, 1.3%. Uh, the CAC around even better, up 91, 1.5%. Yesterday, adopt being down about 700 or 680 or something. Finished up 827, over 30,000, 30,038. S&P 500 up 92 after being down at least 90. I don't think it was down 100, but it was in the 90s. NASDAQ up 232 after being down uh, 300 plus. So it's a 550 point move in the NASDAQ. I mean, that's th- that, that, that happens you know once or twice a decade, for God's sake. Uh, bonds uh, down four basis points, but still 3.91, pushing 4%. We've got the Bund down eight to put 2.21. Japan unchanged 2.24. Oil down a buck 15, 87.96. Brent down a buck 05, 93.52. Natural gas down uh, nine cents, six sixty-five. Just buried right here in the high sixes after a run up to nine bucks and coming right back down. Arbob down five cents, two sixty-four. 
We've got gold down 13, 1663. Even though the dollar was uh, was weak yesterday, gold was still down, which is unusual. Uh, silver down 16 cents as we're reaching the lower end of this range it's been in. 1874. Copper unchanged 345. We've got uh, crypto. We've got Bitcoin up 309, 19,674. Still not 20,000, but hanging in there. 18,000 is now the new worry spot, according to most people. And we've got the U.S. dollar. At the euro now, or the euro is down 44 today after a rally yesterday, 0.97. The uh, British pound down 84 to 112. It actually was a two and a half percent move in the pound yesterday. That's a massive move in a currency. Uh, this, I mean, it, this, as you used to say on the, the trading floor, this bleep is moving. Andrew, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is 6:37 here in Chicago on Friday, October 14th. Uh, for last night in sports and Thursday night football. The Bears did play a pretty disappointing loss against the Commanders, ending 12-7. And just one MLB game played last night, which was the Astros against the Mariners. And the Astros won 4-2. Was the Mariners? Sorry, that's right. It's the Mariners. <laughs> oh, jeez. But for Chicago weather, um, we have some uh, might have some light rain or some maybe even some snow. Uh, we're currently at 38 degrees, uh, reaching snow. up to 61. Yeah, it, that surprised me, too. I kind of It's a little too early for me. Uh, but with a low of 38, so thankfully it won't get any colder than that. Um, but, and for Phoenix, uh, it's mostly clear at 72 degrees with a high of 98 and a low of 72. Now, over to Chicago traffic, we thankfully don't have any accidents on the closer inbound roads. However, on the Tri-State, the I-294 North, a vehicle stall right before the Stevenson entrance has now been cleared, but traffic before it is pretty heavy still. And other than that, their uh, traffic is building on the inbound Stevenson, Eisenhower, and the Jane Adams, as it always does. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. The uh, so Kevin, uh, if you got a second, um, yeah, I, I just want to me- uh, mention that was the, that the Mariners was Angelica quality. That was good. Oh yeah, yeah. At least he didn't say that's a that's that's by the way a, a fun compliment. So oh yeah. <laughs> I still think that, take that one day she gave the best sports report. But, but if you're, you know, you're going to say Pistons? <laughs> yeah, but that was the best sports report I ever heard. I think it was yeah. most probably. What are Pistons? Yeah, and then and, and who cares? All they do is lose about the Bulls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, pretty, pretty much, I guess you'd be able to say that about the Hawks this year. But yeah, we got to cut that up. we got to put that in one of the intros. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, who cares? All they do is lose. Yeah, we gotta, we got to find it first. I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere. Matt, Matt Weber can find it, I'm sure. But um, hey, uh, what what happened? There, there, there was a guy, a guy. Everybody knew. There was a guy in the OEX pit that, for, for those that don't know, and Kevin knows more about it than me. I'll just set the table. But a lot of your a lot of your savings and loans were mutuals. As a matter of fact, a lot of your insurance companies were mutuals, and there's still some life insurance company. They're well, Mutual of Omaha is still a mutual, right? I mean, I think it is. Uh, anyway, the. Uh, and, and what they would do, I mean, if, you, if they ever went private, uh, public, private, whatever you want to call it, uh, well, private means one person bought them. They would go, they would turn into a stock company, which meant they were public. So if you were a depositor there, you had an opportunity to buy stock based on the size of your de- deposit. But then again, Kevin, most places, if, if say, you had 100 bucks in there, and like you said, half the people threw the stuff out, you could, you could buy stock up to a certain number. A lot of times you could buy an awful lot more. Then your hundred bucks, you know, would leave you to believe. And there, there was a, a guy in the OEX pit. Actually, had one or two people working for him. And all they did was 
scour like all 50 states small mutual savings and loans and I guess were there ever any mutual banks I don't, I don't know about that uh, and they'd find one and, and somehow or another if they had to drive out there which people do stuff online they would drive out there and open up an account for this guy or for his firm I don't know if he did it in a partnership or what he did but in every one of these places with the idea that when they went public he would buy as much stock as he could and, and and I think he always made dough. And I think the guy essentially retired from doing that. I mean, uh, I don't know how that all yeah, worked. Yeah, there, there were a lot of people doing that. You know, and it, it was speculative, but it was uh, it, but it was very profitable because that was, you know, that's what was happening. That was the market in those days, and that you know that was sort of the. There's there's still you know it depends on where you live, but there's still some uh, um, savings and loan institutions um, and, and a lot of credit unions. Um, you know, credit unions, credit unions, a whole different. You know, there's a whole different and, brand and, of ball. And they are, there are, there are different. But the, the nice thing about the credit union is, and it, it starts with the terminology. Um, and, and in fact, I've been doing you know some some leadership seminars for an Indiana credit union. Um, I'll be I'll be downstate on um, uh, Tuesday doing it, and then I'm going to hop on a plane and go south. Um, south so, Indiana. Uh, pardon. Southern Indiana? No, no, I'm going to hop on a plane. I'm going to Florida. What are you doing down there? Helping with the hurricane? Trying to? S- uh, no, there's it, well, the East Coast didn't uh, didn't get hammered. I thought maybe you're going down there to loot. No, no, no. I, well, I could. You know, maybe I'm going to stay around an extra couple days. Maybe I can go looting. Um, but uh, you know, I I think there I think that can be a dangerous thing though. Um, anyway. Um, uh, you know, it, it starts with don't ever say customers; they're members. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, and and they get treated. You know, much like what we were discussing with the mutual savings and loans. Um, you know, these are uh, these are uh, uh, you know owned by the depositors. I mean, that's that's basically it. That's the that's the uh, legal structure of it, and and I think. I, I don't think SNLs really took that so seriously. I mean, yes, they knew it, but I don't think they ever, you know, operated in that vein. They were the customers, and you know, our job was to make as much money as we can so that we can give the president a raise, and then we can give the president's son a raise because the president's son is also the uh, uh, EVP. I, in fact, a good story. I, I knew a consultant once who was doing some work uh, down south for. Uh, um, uh, for a, an SNL, and he he was uh, he, he told the story about the uh, fellow he was working with there, who was his prime contact. Said, "Yeah, that guy is the CEO. This guy is the uh, CFO. My title is SIL. And said, What's SIL?" And he said, "Son-in-law." Well, I mean, I think it, it's well. It's interesting you have that view of that. Now, maybe I have the Indian Mayberry view, but on the South Side. Kevin, there were so many of these places that they were real competitive. You didn't, you didn't see any any CEO making a million bucks a year. I mean, every, no, every and they, well, they were part of the neighborhood, so it, you yeah. know it, it just sort of depends on where you were. Um, but I worked for a uh, um, uh, you know IT services. Uh, it wasn't IT in the days; it was data processing services um, company uh, that uh, that did that for you know provided. Uh, um, Processing for uh, savings and loans, and and they were, you know, they they 
some of them were very much part of that community. You know that you know we we are the fabric. In fact, they'd be named after whatever the neighborhood in well, Chicago sure. uh, they were in was. Uh, or you'd get you know like a Howard Savings or something that was uh, on on Howard uh, Howard Street in yeah. Chicago. Um, so you you would get those kinds of things, but then you also had some of the bigger institutions that were really operating themselves the same way that the banks were. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, I don't know anybody who uh, in, in our turf on the southwest side, everybody was so territorial for God's sake. But there was Concordia, which started out at 63rd and Halsted when that was the mecca of the south side. They moved to the Evergreen Plaza, but there was an Evergreen Park Savings and Loan. There was an Oak Lawn Savings and Loan, and there were, and there were there were various independents in there competing with the ones in every town. So I mean, the uh, and, ev- and everybody was you know three and a half on the passbook, six percent on a mortgage. Everybody had a little league team, a bowling team. I mean, I, mean, I don't I mean I don't, I don't know that, but I, I guess the, the question is and but I don't know who I don't know well, who and, and and you see some ba- some banks for instance that uh, you know all still have a little league team take Wintrust, for instance oh, yeah. the Cubs well yeah well I mean, my question is and I mean, we will dash on to some other stuff here because we got this big merger in, in uh, Kroger and Albertsons uh, what what uh, how does I mean when I started with Evan would say State Farm since I started to drive so I don't want to say how many years that is but for all those years Kevin and I, I'm sure I might have missed a mailer somewhere. With State Farm Mutual, and at the end of the year, you know, I paid my auto insurance and my apartment insurance. I had a house I had with those guys, and uh, now why I'm so, but you know, the weird part is, I don't know. They got me, they got me grandfathered in or something or other. But every time I get one of these other, uh, you know, insurance things where they want you to, I tell them what I'm paying, and they go, "Don't ever leave." So they they must have made something decent. But anyway, the, uh, the at the end of the year, I would always get a check, you know, five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever it was. How how State Farm did during the year because every one of the customers was was essentially an owner. Now all of a sudden, that stopped. I mean, I, I don't know. Do they just do they now not do that and they just put in the rates, or are they not mutual anymore? I don't even know. I mean, I would think yeah, I would. I, 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 I'd have to go, and I'm sure it's organization by organization. So it, you know, I just have to have to go figure it out. I. I you know, I, I really have. I've been away from it long enough that I, I couldn't really give. And I used to send them a check, like on Tuesday and on Thursday, I'd get a check from them, and I'm going, "That's kind of weird." When they just lower my bill, maybe maybe that's what they did. I you know I don't know. Instead of processing all the stuff, but uh, anywho, what what do you make of? Uh, I mean, this turnaround yesterday in the market. Obviously, it's it's amazingly dramatic. Uh, we have people arguing now with the Fed, this that, and the other thing. But I don't I don't uh, I still. Kevin, I, I can't. We we can't even have definitions depending on where you feel whether you want people to send you money to buy stocks and whatever, whatever that is. I mean, it's not saying that's a bad thing, but uh, obviously, I'd like people to send me money to manage money too. I have room for a few more people, not not a whole minute, a lot. But, but yesterday, yesterday was a fun day. Yesterday was one of the best days. I mean, out of in theory, what we do, Kevin, a day like yesterday can come along and comes along once in a great while because we were. Pretty seriously hedged with puts for everybody, both people here at PTI and other people that I do stuff for. And uh, so when we opened way down, and it looked like you know Armageddon, you know everybody said, "What do you, you want to do?" And I said, "Look, uh, every time we've made the proper adjustment, I mean, roll these puts because our puts are now ten, fifteen dollars in the money. I mean, it's unbelievable how low we were yesterday morning." I said, "You know what? We, we, we got to just we got to make the roll. Just let's just do the routine thing. Every time we do." You know, a lot of times it ends up being the, a great trade as well. So we rolled down. We only missed one. In one place we missed one roll. Every place we got every roll. 
and, uh, and and we bought in some calls, and all of a sudden, the thing uh, rackets way up. And later in the day, we got to roll the same the same spread down, and we made money on the spread. But this is how weird it is. Even on a, on a really good day, Kevin, we got these short calls in the in the spider. I think it was or the Q's, one of the two Q's, and they're six cents. And we and my my, my guy works with me. He goes, I don't feel like paying six cents for these things. They're like fifteen dollars out of the money. And I go, why don't we do something sneaky and buy the the strike two strikes below for eight cents so at least if something really crazy happens then we can actually make money on the thing and it's only eight cents is that right the things will be worthless tomorrow it couldn't have been an hour and a half kevin they were a buck and i'm sitting there why did i buy these things at eight cents you know it would have been you know what because when you when you make money on something like that you know where we could have we could have let them out again at a buck it's it, it just found money and when and we had the ability to do it. And on one hand, you sit there. I don't. Why do I want to? When I'm paying all this premium for these puts, because the VIX was at 35, we really want to pay even six cents for something that I think is going to be worthless in 24 hours. The answer is, you know, probably no. But it, what? then an hour, an hour later, I go, <clears throat> "Gee, eight cents doesn't seem like much now, does it?" <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's a, it's a crazy world. You can't ever have a perfect day. You know, I'm sitting there going, "Why, why do we buy like?" Every, everybody who had a, a hundred shares of spiders or cues, whoever it was, we could have bought ten of those. And all of a sudden, we, we might have been we might have been up on the year this horrible year just with that trade. Now you know you don't want to all of a sudden start speculating on stuff like that, but <clears throat> it's really crazy. It's all it would take on a day like yesterday. I mean, we're talking stuff that. I mean, what, what's the return on something eight cents that trades a buck and a quarter for God's sake in, in four hours? I mean, which isn't this, but you know, ninety-nine percent of the time they go out worthless and you, you get skunked. But but boy, what you know? But days like yesterday are just not usual at all. I mean, and, I, and it's 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 really not a sign of a healthy market, even though it's spun to the upside. When, I, when you're you're kind of a distant observer, what what is what does every man think of a day like yesterday? Um, you know what? I didn't even come up for air, so I didn't talk to anybody about it. Um, uh, you know, I, I had one of those long days. I got another one today, but I, I think you know. Let, I, I think for the most part, every man worries about the four hundred one k. Yeah. Everyone, uh, every man, you know. But but what every man really worries about is what's the grocery bill. Yeah. You know, more than anything else, you, you can you can talk all of this other information, and if you live in the financial world, you live in the trading world. This is all a big deal to you, to the average person. It's what in the hell am I doing? I'm, you know, I'm over two hundred bucks on groceries this week. Well, that's 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 certainly an issue. I uh, I, I think that I, I think that's the sum total of it. Well, I, and, and I, that's you know that's why there's that's why we're looking at uh, at such a big wipeout. The inflation number, you you know, the Biden administration was dying for seven point nine yesterday, so they could say anything that wasn't eight. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they didn't get it. No, well, for the, the first uh, of all, the whole idea that we're now using this yearly number. I mean, there, there was a guy who hosted a show called Stocks and Jacks a year and a half ago. He said, these politicians, and my, my new theme, Kevin, it really, it really is. I, I I think these guys, I mean, we and I were jousting a little bit about it on Wednesday regarding whether it's a business or not. It, it is it is, it is is a business to them, and the business is getting reelected, whatever side you're at. Because you, if you're reelected, all of a sudden you can, you can apportion zillions of dollars of other people's money to the people who put you in office, the people you like, or your family if you're creepy enough. Um, and, and, and somehow or another, our politics has gotten overwhelmed by that. There's just so much money here. It's never been anything like this. It's, 
you know, people talk about the Constitution, you know, the guys that wrote the Constitution. You know what, Kevin, they'd have no idea what, what's going on here and the amount of money that you can that you can swing around if all of a sudden you're one of these people. I mean, it's, it's a whole different, I think it's a whole different world, but, I mean, just just the whole concept that uh, when, when I, I said, look, w- once you go to this inflation, even though you had two months where it was like over one, it's it, it it's 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 a slap on the behind to say okay let's just multiply one by twelve or one point one by twelve and get thirteen or whatever it was thirteen point two let's we can do that and say our inflation is thirteen point two percent but these bumps refuse to do that because that's what we did back in the day it was whatever that month was times twelve or you, maybe you take the last two months times six but it, you you get the one from a year earlier the hell out of it what, what's that have to do with anything but. Well, and, and look where we are on that now. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you would have said in uh, February, you know, the year over year, and we were looking at whatever the numbers were at the time, um, we, we weren't at that uh, uh, everybody, everybody's hair was on fire uh, uh, rate a year, uh, the year earlier. Right. Now, when we're piling the 8.2 onto uh, uh, last year, at this time last year, we were at alarmingly high rates where everybody's uh, everybody was up in arms about it. So now, you know, eight eight point two. It's not, you know, it sounds like you know it's still not a number anybody likes, and it sounds bad. But that's eight point two piling on whatever the number was a year ago, which was very high too. Well, when I, I get the, but the math is, people people. I don't know why, Kevin. People people don't know any math or what. I mean, as I said, the the the, uh, the humble host of stocks and jacks a year ago when they started doing this. I said, basically said, you idiots. You've got this 1.1, 1.2% this month. Instead of saying it's 14 and come down from there like anybody with an ounce of brains, a year from now or 11 months from now, you're still going to be carrying this 1.1 in the 8. Because the PPI came out on Wednesday. And uh, who, who, who's with us? Uh, Russell said something about when do you think this PPI is coming down? I'm, I'm looking right at, this, at the page. I go, Russell, there's a 1.7 nine months ago. It's not going to come down until we have three more months, and that one point seven drops off. I mean, this is this is this is really simple math, right? I, I mean, I it's it's all about what, why are we worried about today, this month, what happened a year ago? It should be what it is this month. Yeah. I mean, but but they didn't want to do that because the month we know. They didn't want to and, do that when you know, they wanted to raise that. I've raised that in other forums, and people say, "Oh, you're crazy. That's not what the statisticians." Are. Yeah, well, the statisticians can be full of crap too. But look at the last three months in the CPI. Well, the, this month it was point uh, six x food and energy, but it's it's been what point four, uh, like one, point one, I think, and point two. Maybe one was even zero. Let's say it's point four, point one, and point two. Okay, so what is that? That's seven divided by three gives you what? Two point something times four gives you gives you eight. It's well, no, no, it's not even eight because because well, I mean, uh, these are these are points. Well, let's let's do it simply. What's point four times twelve? Four point eight. It's not eight. The last month was zero. And the month before that was point one, right? So the last three months, you're not you're not. It's not at eight percent anymore. But the same idiots that never wanted to tell you that it was 1.2, meaning 13.2 on an annualized basis, now are they're, they're being they're being, you know, beaten with the same thing they bought they bought to beat somebody else. So, I mean, but why why don't they uh, know being, that? Uh, hoisted on their own petard, so yeah. to speak. 
Well, well, but, but, Kevin, a third grader should know that. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to die, shifting gears because I know you're going to kick yeah. me out in, in favor of Carl, which is a huge upgrade anyway. Um, you, uh, the uh, uh, you mentioned the Kroger uh, yeah. Albertsons merger. Well, actually, in this area, it's more Marciano's Albertsons because there hasn't been a Kroger in Chicago in 50 right. years. Yeah, I mean Kroger's got a zillion subsidiaries. Um, so, uh, but but one of the things. That, uh, uh, that Kroger has it's a, a, a big strength is that they have sunk a lot of money into their warehousing operations. They have, you know, uh, they, they've got a lights-out distribution center, in other words, a virtually unmanned uh, distribution center uh, running, I believe, in Arizona. And, um, uh, and and they're using just incredible degrees of automation. I can tweet some of this stuff out for the listeners. This is all about... Um, you know, taking you know, trying to take their their technology investment and build critical mass so they can go up against Amazon because you know Amazon, uh, Walmart, you know those kinds of operations are just going to crush your local grocery stores if they don't get really heavily into warehousing and that requires big investments. Uh, in my area, the uh, Martin's chain, which is you know like a a brand that goes back way before you and I, you know. Uh, first heard about it in the 1970s, um, they, they got sold a couple of years ago to Spartan Nash, which is a, uh, um, which, which also has a big warehousing subsidiary. Spartan Nash is based out of Grand Rapids, um, and, uh, and, and they're all over the country as well. And I, I think, you know, if just for what industry watching, um, uh, retail uh, grocery operations are going to be kind of interesting over the next few years. Because everybody is uh, is fearing these uh, online big dogs, and uh, and it'll be interesting to see how different chains respond to it. Well, you know what, Kevin? What I do know is that sent giving uh, um, pick slips to uh, uh, to employees and sending them up and down the grocery aisles uh, to fill something so that uh, you can pull up at the drive-in and pick up your online order. I know for that that's just too darned expensive a way to operate for. Uh, uh, for that to continue, so all of these have to get into a different uh, a different well, mode, uh, so that they can handle online shopping. Well, let's talk about this on, on uh, Wednesday because there's all kinds of layers of this kind of stuff. And first of all, the people oh, yeah. don't people don't know about Kroger. Kroger owns Safeway, and Safeways used to be the second biggest in the whole country. Uh, no, 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 no. I think I think Albertsons owns Safeway, doesn't it? I don't think so. When the, well, one of them. I, no, but see, yeah, it doesn't they, matter. They're going to be together. Yeah, uh, uh, it's going to be together. But, I mean, there's still apart. independent people here in Chicago that, that sprout up all the time. They kick these guys' ass. I mean, there's there's uh, Pete's on the south side. There's uh, Caputo's. Those places are mapped because they do a lot of this stuff. You know, they're, they're, But I think a lot of what happens to this is the people on the board, the people up top of these companies have so much stock, they don't care if they if – it's, it's, it's like the CBOE. The people upstairs were not were not members, but all of a sudden they got a whole bunch of stock when you went public. Well, okay, well, what is their motivation? I'm going to say the the Albertsons board is happy happy as clams, and the top 200 people who work for Albertsons are rich beyond the greens of avarice, and they could care less about the people who work in the rest of the stores. That that's part of it, or yeah, but I, I, well, but they they also know because as shareholders. Uh, they, they also know that their shares aren't going to be worth crap in five years if they don't make substantial changes. Um, okay, but I'm saying uh, the, the, the jewels here are very competitive. They seem to do very well. 
against the Walmart. And the yeah, outdoors. Jewel is, and, and 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 there's there's a different niche to be had, you know. So you can take an outfit like uh, Sunset Foods up north, where they have a you know a, a small chain of stores. They're so high touch. You know, this is the place where you go in, and it's it's not. Uh, some some old guy working part time who's handing out the cards. It's the manager, yeah, uh, greeting everybody, getting to know everybody, and so on. It's the you know, and they'll you, you want some, you want them to stock something that they don't stock now. They'll get it just for you. You just tell me when you want to buy it and how much, and I'll have it for you. Uh, you know, you can, you can go that high touch route. And I think there's there's always going to be room for that, but there's a price tag that goes with. Well, that. I go to the Myers a lot, and again, if you just go regular prices and and stuff, but. A lot of it has to do, Kevin, with, with the private brands. And I'll, and I'll say this. I mean, I just, you know, I cook stuff for the office. There's still a place around here to have breakfast. Uh, the, the the quality of the stuff with the Meyer brand on it is tremendously more better than the stuff with the, what's the Walmart brand? Uh, I know uh, Sam's is, uh, there's a brand there, but Walmart has their own private brand. And um, stu- uh, Sam's Choice. And the stuff is just not as good as the Meyer private brand. Same way with the Costco private. I mean, Kirkland is... You know, what the, the Kirkland vodka is one of the best around. I, mean, I wonder who they buy it from. But uh, yeah, well, those yeah, those are all private brand on on uh, commodity products. You see that a lot. You see it a lot in Walmart. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the things that they sell with whatever their uh, pharmacy brand is, Equate or something yeah. like that, is it, it's really you know it, it's just putting a different label on an existing product. And you know, uh, take their mouthwash. You can have Equate mouthwash. It's Scope. Scope, you know, well, all Scope is doing is saying, "Hey, I get some incremental sales out of this." Well, I'm not, not saying you should be so hanging around in the mouthwash aisle, but I read this stuff because so I can talk about it on the air. Uh, if you go to Listerine aisle, there's like 15 different Listerines. Once you get up a couple of notches from the original, it'll say right on the bottle, "This this particular Listerine product not sold to anybody else for their private brands." So if you pick up, okay, the, so that's how they differentiate. Yeah. So if you pick up the Myers, that's that's the yellow one. It's it's Listerine. <laughs> it's basically. But if you go up the chain, uh, you hope so. Yeah, but when, <laughs> considering uh, what it looks like, you really hope. Yeah, so. but when you go up the chain to the you know total total gum and tooth and all other sign of kind of care to cost twice as much, it'll say this only sold under Listerine brand or something. It's interesting, Kevin. Thank you. What do you uh, what do you think the Irish tomorrow? SP Futures now down three. Nasdaq is down 30. We've turned south here. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Morning! Get away! Get away! Well, I'm Tom Andrew on the board, SP Futures. I'm down three and a quarter. It was up, and I was, I was cheering there for a little bit. As if futures down 27, not much of a move, but uh, let's just say the market is somewhat fickle. Good thing our buddy Carl is not fickle. He's always right on. Carl, how are you, bud? Well, I don't know about being right on, but I'll tell you what. That's, uh, that thing yesterday is illustration number one in my list of why the Fed is not going to stop for at least another year. Uh, yeah, I would think you're probably right as much as I... I, mean, I don't. I don't think of all the guys you talk to that you've not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth, but for the last six years or so, you've been on the show. This you, you probably have never met a more inflation hawk than I am, and was all this whole time saying these guys are idiots. They're missing this inflation either by design or by accident. And now, right now, I'm convinced that they should get to 3.75 and stop for a while. Yeah, well, um, no, and and I'll, I'll <laughs> look. The reversal yesterday came as a consequence of a statement that came out of the ECB, one of their people, that said that the terminal rate was likely to be somewhere around two and three quarters or three percent. Well, they also had this uh, this guy, who's quasi Quartang. This, this lady comes in to be prime minister. First thing she does is says she wants to do tax cuts for the rich, which went over like a fart in church. Now, well, yeah. now the finance minister, quasi-Quartang, is they're firing him because he's the cause of it. Well, you know, you got to find a scapegoat, right? But remember that part of what, what led to the big dive was the ECB and, and, and particularly the, the Bank of England coming out and saying, um, hey, clown heads, you have until Friday, and then we're pulling our artificial support into the gilts. I, I, uh, Russell uh, gave a big, I don't know if you listened on Wednesday, a big 
explanation that these pension funds have a lot of derivatives. So they essentially want them to give up their derivatives. Because I couldn't figure out how a, a pension fund, as much as they're getting buried on these bonds they bought at ridiculous prices, I don't see how they would have a margin call. But Russell said a lot of them do derivative stuff, over-the-counter derivatives. But I, I, I could not, please enlighten me, what, what exactly can a pension fund do to straighten itself out in three days? I mean, I, 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 if I could do it for all my clients, much less a, a pension fund, for God's sake. Well, it, look, it, it, what it comes back to is the original sin in the first place. Okay. And, and we're seeing, we're seeing the, the, the exposition of the same thing that the crazy occurred back, you know, just before the, the 2008 crash. And that is, if, you're a, if you have a fiduciary responsibility to pensioners, right, to somebody other than yourself, you have no business being in the derivative market at all. I don't care what your excuse for it is. You especially don't have any business being there when the whole reason you did it is because in a near-zero rate environment, you didn't want to go back to the sponsoring organization and say, oh, by the way, because you've profited so tremendously from this ability to roll debt down over time and therefore goose your profits and therefore goose your stock price, um, or if you're a municipality, uh, you've been able to spend money you don't have because you can issue bonds like crazy at ridiculously low rates, you need to fork up the additional cash so that the actuary stops screaming at me about being underfunded. Right. Okay? And and the thing is, that's why they were in these markets. They were not in these markets because this was some kind of risk management tool. That's not what they were doing. They were doing this as a way to get around having to go back to the sponsoring organization and say, by the way, I understand that you really like it, that you can issue all of these bonds at percent instead of at five percent however that means we're underfunded by 50 percent on our actuarial requirements therefore you need to double the contributions you're making into the pensions okay well, I'm, I'm, and, I, I agree you're, you're by the way I agree with you what you're not supposed to do on kind of podcast or radio but you're, you're, you're taking you're taking the flip side of it from where, where, I, where I was looking at you're taking the side from the part of of the governmental entities they were able to issue all this stuff and, of course, spent way too, too friggin' much. We, uh, I think you and I are perf- perfectly, in, in t- or even corporations, they, they, buy, they issue it here and they buy their own stock back. Well, their balance sheet doesn't look as good as it did before because now they've got debt instead of... But I was looking at the other side, uh, from, and maybe you know more about this than me, but insurance companies and pension funds, a lot of them have requirements that they buy a certain amount of X, Y, and Z in terms of uh, what years they have to buy? You can't just all buy short term like I'm doing for my people because I don't, I don't want you know to be, to be wearing a three percent bond out out ten years for people. So, but a, but a pension fund. I, w- I was going through the math. Uh, by the way, Carol, I, I found my uh, my new bond calculator, my new toy, uh, which I never should have found. But uh, I calculated if somebody if there was a two percent bond, say three years ago when all this was going on, or even two years ago, and somebody I, I couldn't get the thing to go negative, which means I got to find a new calculator, right? But I put it down to like like zero. They, so you're paying if it's point one percent, you're going to pay fourteen hundred hours 
for that 2% bond 20 years, right? And you and I know the math. Right. Well, now you have, uh, if, if your rate went to 4%, the thing's worth 700 or 750 So you just lost half of the dough you, you, you put out there. I'm going to say that as a pension fund, normally I would not want to be in the derivative market. But if I somehow am forced to buy 20-year bonds at point at 0.1%, it'd be good. If I had to buy them at zero because some it's all the government was churning out or something, or that's the price they were actually you know being paid at, I have to I have to have a derivative contract in case no, that no moves. you don't no you don't chief no you don't and that's and that's the see here's here's the thing the whole reason you have to duration you have to have the duration in a pension fund is because you're not allowed to take the risk okay the the person who puts that that money in today expects to get it out in twenty years when he retires. Right? You're not allowed to book that risk as the pension manager because it's not your money. And so as a result, you know, the pension fund sits there and says, well, the compounded growth rate and the growth, you know, if I have a bond that pays a 4% coupon, then, you know, if it's, if it's a zero, I buy it at a discount. If it's not, I'm getting the cash flow from the, you know, from the coupon stream, right? Yeah, but there is no but coupon stream the- if you paid that much for it. Well, well, there is. Here's the thing. Yeah. If it's at zero, there's no discount, there's no coupon stream, right? So, as a result... Well, actually, you're still going to get your 2%. Well, but I'm saying yeah, I yeah, have to go yeah. back to the, the, the sponsoring organization and say, Hey, um, hey, Jackwads, I can't control the market. However, my cash flow on this 20 years is, is essentially going to be zero because I had to buy this bond at zero. Yeah. All right. Therefore, you need to advance up the additional funds so that in 20 years, when this guy retires, the money's there. Right. I, I mean, we're coming after two different directions. But right. that. And so what they did was they went out in the derivative market. Well, they actually and, did. And, they well, paid we can thir- synthetically create this rate of return that doesn't exist. Well, actually, they did. They paid 1300 bucks for a $1,000 bond. But point being, then they went into the derivative market to try to generate what would have otherwise been a return if the bond market had not priced those bonds with a zero coupon. Well, here, here's 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 my concern would be totally. But let let you're, you're you're going at this like if it's a a pension fund and the, and the firm's actually going to be here in twenty years. Let, let's shift gears to an insurance company, and you're talking about how many how many more people are dying this year than were expected. Maybe because of COVID, maybe not. I happen to agree with you. It might be because of the COVID stuff. But uh, all, now, if it's an insurance company and they have all this money there for people who have actuarial, what what if you know all of a sudden an asteroid hits New York and you need the money in five years, and all of a sudden the bond you paid thirteen hundred bucks for is now seven hundred? I got I got to figure I got to figure out a way I got to figure out a way to hedge that because I know this interest rate can only go one place. And, right. I, and, if, and if this bond going to go to seven hundred, I want to I want to make something somewhere else to, to at least give me a little something back on that. I mean, that that's my mentality, and you know. And, and that's and see, that's the thing is that there's so the thing a lot of people, uh, you know, people that trade bonds look at things as look at things differently than someone who buys one and sticks it in a drawer and holds it to maturity. Right. You have a mark to market loss, not because the bond became less valuable on its face. It didn't. 
you have a mark-to-market loss because if you have to sell it, I could buy the one that's on the market today that's new, which has a higher coupon, and therefore its total return over time is greater than the one that you own now. Right. And therefore, the one that you own now, if you have to sell it, is worth less. It's That's, that's the reason that, you know, it's also why if you buy a bond fund, you're subject to getting pounded because people can turn around and say, well, I, you know, this coupon stinks. I'm going to redeem. And when they do, oops, now this guy has to sell early. And now he ends up having to take the 700 whether he wants to or not. Well, there's a huge discipline uh, to, to what I do, Carl, because I guess if I was Joe Jamoak working for some, uh, well, I wouldn't be a Jamoak, I'd probably be a high-paid guy, uh, at some pension fund or a insurance company, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy some bond. Maybe I'll buy, you know, if it's a if it's a TIF bond here in Chicago, I might buy the whole the whole package, right, at a certain rate. And so it's it's just sitting there, and I've got this thing for 20 years. I'm getting my interest and all that stuff, and everybody's, I guess, happy. But they're you're not they're not he isn't. I don't think on every one of these bonds, he's not mark to market every day like my clients are. I mean, I got to believe. Well, he, a big difference. He is, but he's not. The thing is, though, is that what if he's got a brain in his head, he's got he's built a ladder that is the duration matched to what he's expected to have to pay out over time. Yeah, but if I if I did something really dumb and bought one of those bonds, now some of these people are forced to buy them. But if I did that for Carl Denninger Senior. and and your dad, if he was still with us, got the statement, he'd say, "Hey, Chief, <laughs> this bond you paid." Twelve hundred bucks for is now trading eight hundred. What's going on? Oh, don't worry, Mister Denninger. In thirty years, you all be whole. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's a rough phone call, Carl. I just, well, I just, yeah, no, it is a rough phone call. But and and the thing is, though, is that really what it comes down to is that we had all these people running around within the Fed, within the kind, and more importantly, within Congress and within the presidency. All right, I mean, and, and Trump even went so far as to, as to point blank say before he was elected he's the king of debt and he's this is his game he plays this leverage game it's what he's done his entire life and it's it was the truth he wasn't lying okay he very nearly got bankrupted yeah. by what happened with volker all right his, his dad bailed him out if it wasn't for that the guy would have had zero and you never would have heard of him because he would have been living in a you know, you know a refrigerator box somewhere but the thing is, is that he got through the other side of that, and then he made bank on that 40-year declining rate trend, which in real, if you're in commercial real estate, oh my good Lord, is that the, I mean, you feast on that stuff. Well, that's what, that's what put GE on the map. Well, then that GE, yeah, but it, GE it, light bulbs. It, it put a lot of people on the map. Okay, I'll rephrase GE Capital on the map. GE was always well, here. Yeah, with it, GE yeah. Capital made it made a, a, a crazy amount of money doing this. Well, it was it was the whole thing. It was also what made GM acceptance GMAC so you know screamingly attractive to so many people yep. for so long prior to the blow up in 08. Well, I mean, it, people. Uh, it, it, it's talking about an interesting story. Uh, Audrey's late uncle, uh, Ed Johnson, Audrey Johnson, Ed Johnson, go figure, owned an Oldsmobile dealership on the south side. And he was just an incredible guy. You, you'd have loved him. He's just a, a real hard worker. He, he buys the, he, he started there as a guy that get, did oil changes, right? Worked his way up, ends up buying it from the family. Um, got a, like a million dollar loan from the family. 
and paid him back in a year. You know, one, right. of, one of those kind of things. So his his big shtick was he never carried any excess inventory. Every car on his lot, there wasn't a huge lot, and it was there in the showroom, he paid he had paid cash for. So GM, every year, <laughs> would threaten him that they're going to take the dealership away from him because for those that don't know, the G- GM made obviously made money selling cars, but they really made most of their money through GMAC. I won't say most. A lot of their money through... Uh, loaning money to dealers to have 50 cars on their lot. Oh, yeah, so the floor planning yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. extraordinarily lucrative when it works out. Yeah, when it works out. And uh, so the weird part was they'd always be threatening him to dump his dealership, but then whenever a, a big dealer in a town like away from Chicago got in big trouble, it was almost inevitable because they were strung out on their loans. They would pay him as a consultant to go t- help the guy straighten his dealership out <laughs> after, after they were going to take his away because he didn't borrow the dough, right? <laughs> oh, well, I, you know, it's, after 9-11, I, I got my truck, the one that I just recently had to rebuild the differential in because somebody used a counterfeit bearing in it uh, at the factory, by the way. Really? Very little General Motors. Uh, but uh, after that, after that happened, I... I got three years of zero interest with no money down as because they were sitting on the lot and the dealer that I got it from had a floor payment that was due tomorrow. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And so he gave it to me below invoice. I got into his holdback, which never happens on a car deal, but I did. I didn't get very far into it. I got in, I got into the dealer's holdback. And you almost, I mean, I don't care how good of a negotiator you are, that basically never happens. No, no. But, you know, but if somebody is about to end up getting their line, you know, getting the ticket punched as a result of this, well, you know, hey, I'll take advantage of somebody else's stupidity. <laughs> all right, all right, I got to ask, what rear end do you have? And is it a limited slip? No, well, all of the all the standard stuff that comes from a factory in the in the fifteen hundreds are roller lockers. It's a it's it, it actually has it's superior in many ways to limited slip in a lot of applications. In some others, you you know you want to go ahead and pay up and have the trunk replaced with a real posi. But uh, but pretty much all the light trucks that GM has made in the last twenty years have uh, have roller lockers in them. Well, the Ford has limited slip, and the GM's got the locker. Yeah, and the, and really the the difference is is that the the thing with limited slip is it's got clutches in it, so they do wear out, and you'll end up having to replace them over time. Uh, the roller locker is is just as the name implies a locking mechanism when there's and it it only works below about twenty miles an hour, uh, and then centrifugal force at higher speeds locks it out. Yeah, because so they're, they're two different concepts. It, it, Actually, kind of like a the different f- concept. If you yeah. have if you have differential rates that are beyond and it's it's relatively low you can actually trigger it if you've got the wheels off the ground and you spin them by hand you can trip it and it'll and it'll lock up i actually think uh there were a couple of times in chicago way back when uh when there was so much ice that the, the streets would glare ice yeah and if and if you had and you, you had a if, if both of the back wheels would start to turn even a little bit you would actually slide down the, the, the oh, angle yeah. of the street so the for, the, for those that don't know, have any idea what we're talking about, uh, most differentials, uh, you can't have both tires going on the rear end. You can't have both tires going around a curve at the same speed because the out, the outer tire has to go faster than the inner tire, right? I mean, everybody could probably figure that. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, basically, yeah. So dif- they cannot, they don't turn at exactly the same right. speed unless you're going exactly straight. So and that, and that hence the term differential. They're going at different rates. Well. Other, but even if you have four-wheel drive, the, 
problem with that is that the that the uh, as you as you put your foot on the gas, the the one with the the least amount of resistance is going to spin. So if if you ever put if you ever with a regular truck or car without one of these gadgets, if you have one on glare ice and one on the pavement, the one on the glare out, the one on the glare ice can be spinning. You're not going to go anywhere, and you sit there and go, "What the hell?" Well, uh, uh, to stop that, you have uh, the Ford is a limited slip where if one starts to spin, it like like Carl says, it has a clutch that shoves a little bit to the other one, so at least you start moving. Where the GM, they both start together, and the minute there's some kind of pressure on one or the other, it, it that that breaks and it becomes open. Is that correct? Uh, it's the other. It's the other way around. It locks when there is when there's spin on one side versus the other. It locks so both turn at the same rate. All right, because I know the Ford is when one starts to spin, some power gets transferred to the other one. Right. That's that's a limited slip. Yeah. And you, it, and you can buy a limited slip chunk and put it in pretty much anything. I mean, you know, if I wanted to, if if, if I'd had damage in that part of the differential, that's exactly what I was going to do because the the difference in cost between replacing it with one of those and replacing it with another locker is, is you know, maybe $100. Yeah. It's not very much more money. But it's yeah, it's it's, it's interesting technology and you know, all this stuff. So, now we're back up uh, here, Carl. What a day like yesterday, what is it what does it tell you? I mean, a quote from my brother who actually has some pretty good ones every once in a while, president of PTI Securities. Last week he, he said, he goes, time remember, we've never seen a 3% rally in a bull market. Like the two right. days in a row last week. It just doesn't happen. Bull markets, you just grind up, right? Pretty yeah, much. Well, it's, uh, what, it, what it tells you is, number one, I mean, first off, it blew up a bunch of technical patterns that I've been following for a while. Uh, which I which I thought was rather interesting because it, the the undercut in the morning was was extreme, right? I expected yeah. a bounce from there, but the, boy, not something like that. Um, and then the other problem you have though is that it essentially underlined a point that I've been making for quite a while, which is that the Fed is not going to stop until this Pavlovian response is broken in markets. And until it, until that goes away, they're not going to stop. And I and I don't care what's it, what the other arguments are. They cannot allow that to continue because the markets will always demand that they get their leverage and their ability to do this kind of thing. And if and if that happens, if they don't stop this, then the demand back on the fiscal side is going to continue as well, which is for the federal government to keep printing money and keep printing credit and keep spending in deficit and as long as that goes on inflation is not going to come back in because the sequestration that we had before over into the foreign nations it's gone that's what the ukraine russian war did destroyed that and it's not coming back well what where are you going to get the money for the nine percent almost nine percent social security raise well look social security is not the big problem as i've said i pointed this out the math is very clear Back I wrote leverage, and it's still there. It's, it's not changed. What is remember that Social Security has an operating cash deficit, but it's relatively small. It's easily fixed by lifting the cap and/or slightly increasing the rate. Okay, not lifting it completely, but you know, modifying it upward. Medicare, on the other hand, cannot be resolved. Medicare is eighty percent unfunded. Well, what? Uh, well, that's a that's that's a show for like a, for like a whole day, uh, maybe maybe like a whole week. But 
that they have to. There, there's something here, um, Carl. And I, I get a load of this. You, you've you've never been in the office. Well, my office is my filing system is somewhat kind of a mess. But uh, the I, I dug up. I know I'm cleaning, right? I don't know. I don't know what got into me, but I'm sort of cleaning, and I I dug out some stuff that I saved. And lo and behold, the reason why I saved it is because it's good stuff, you know. So go figure. Uh, but I'm re- some of the stuff I'm reading, and I and I have to. I'm going to accuse you of this. Whenever I whenever I get into a, a, a crazy discussion slash argument with people either on the wild left or the wild right, uh, my question is, you know, I got this guy Carl Denninger. It's it's got me on this whole new view. Maybe you and Russell and everybody combined. I'm starting to take a much longer view of stuff. And it really bugs the living bejesus out of me when when somebody tells me uh, everything that's wrong in the world is is the not even two years we've had Joe Biden. I said, you know, as right. bad as the man might be, nobody no, nobody could screw up the world. It, it, and and by the way, uh, the stuff that you're talking about in terms of debts and things like that, Trump was just as bad. I don't know. He it's only because people that whatever whatever the side is. But the weird part is the stuff I'm digging up <laughs> when the, the show started. We're talking about. You know, 2000 and, and, and 2010, 11, 12, 14. It's 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 the same story as today. You know, the, how many people are getting money from the federal government versus working? It's it's even worse now. The numbers are dramatically different than they were during the 50s and 60s. I mean, the number it, it's been this massive progression that that you've essentially told me to taught me to think in 25 or 30 year pieces of paper. Than, than two months pieces of paper. Chief, they just gave Bernanke a Nobel. Okay, but they didn't give it for, to him for what you and I, whatever he thinks. Bailing, he, for bailing out a bunch of people who who engaged in rank speculation and got it in the shorts. Uh, we got to go to break, but let's talk about that after the break. I, I, uh, I don't, that's not why they gave it to him, I don't think. SB Futures, unchanged, believe it or not. NASDAQ Futures down 15, so we're right on a flat line here. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. 
PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hold on, fix Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. SP Futures now up five. It's all over the flat line here. And as Futures up four, now Futures up 66. A lot of that has to do with. Uh, What's the uh, one stack? United Healthcare is up two. We've got somebody else's up a bunch, or they were. Uh, I thought it was United Healthcare, another one of the healthcare stacks there was up. I guess they're not up as much anymore. Over in Asia, big, big rallies over there. Kneecap 853. These guys have been down all week in our turnaround yesterday. Uh, certainly hit them uh, right where they wanted. Up 853, 3.2%. Shanghai up 55, 1.8%. Hang Seng up 198, that's 1.2%, but still 16,587. And remind me to ask Carl, what's going on over in Hong Kong? These guys cannot get out of their own way. Europe rallies as well, not as much as they were last time we went through it, though. They're all over 1%, now they're not. DAX up 117.95%, still pretty close. Uh, FTSE up 64.94. Kekaran still doing better, up, up 98, 1.7%. Yesterday, we were up 827. That didn't tell the tale. We were down 800 at one point, so about a 1,600-point turnaround. S&P up 92 after being down 90. NASDAQ up 232 after being down over 300. So a day uh, of likes of which I've only seen a couple times in my whole career. Uh, 10-year down 6 basis points, 3.89. The Bund uh, minus 10 basis points, 2.220. Japan unchanged, 0.24. We've got oil down 165, 87.46. Brent down 155. 93.02, natural gas down 9 cents, 6.64, Arbob down 6 cents, 2.64, at gold, whack whack again, down 18 bucks, 16.59, that's a full 1%, silver down 30 cents, that's 1.6%, as silver continues to fly back and forth between 18.50 and 20.50, right now we're at the lower ends of that range, 18.62, uh, copper unchanged, 3.44, we've got Bitcoin up 3.22, but still under 20,000, 19,687, and we have the the dollar versus the euro. The euro is actually down a little bit, so the dollar is up today. 0.97 to the dollar. Uh, the British pound uh, is up, is down 129. I've been up two something yesterday. So they're giving back more than half of the huge gain yesterday, even though they, they bleep can their finance minister. Carl, the poor guy was over here doing a seminar, and he, he had to leave to go home and get canned. That, that can't be too good. Andrew, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, 735 here in Chicago on Friday, October 14th.
Uh, last night for sports, uh, for football, the Bears played a loss against the Commanders, ending the game 12-7. And last night in MLB, just one game played. It's the Astros won against the Mariners 4-2. Now over for Chicago weather, right now it's cloudy at 37 degrees. Going to be reaching up to 61 and going back down to 37 for the low. Now for Phoenix, uh, it's mostly clear over at 70, 70 degrees with a high of 98 and a low of 70. Now for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully no accidents on the very close inbound roads. However, out on the Bishop Ford uh, on the inbound side, a vehicle in a ditch on the right is blocking the right shoulder of the road and making some traffic behind it. And otherwise, yeah, no accidents, but of course traffic is in a build as it always does on the inbound roads, and it looks like the outbounds are pretty full today, too. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. The, uh, so what do you think? They fired They fired this guy, now all is well. Uh, he was over here, and they sent him back to get canned. What do you think? How, how would you, boy, yeah, you know, <laughs> how would you like to be that guy, right? Yeah, it's all, it's all him. I mean, if you think, you, you, of course, what what just happened there is that the prime minister now has had his 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 so-called coalition or whatever, which was built on this idea of you know we're going to we're going to drop taxes. That's now been severely damaged. It'll be very interesting to see if that survives. Yeah, I mean it's uh, but he's only been there what thirty days. Yeah, it's it was brand new. But here's here's the thing that's uh, you know people we we live of course in America we have you know we elect a president and short of impeachment or dying in office whatever you're stuck with whoever it is you elect for the next four years. Parliamentary systems don't work that way because the people don't vote for that person, and the parliament could turn around and call a no confidence vote at any time. Which uh, which system do you like? Better when I, before I before I ask that I'm gonna, one of the things that I didn't realize a few years ago I mean many years ago somebody sent me a you know people send me stuff that I read believe it or not and I learned from it is that one of the interesting parts about our shift is whoever you have a full party shift you know Obama to Trump Trump to Biden there's some um, incredible amount of people that resign at the top end of government it's like it's like 1500 or something like every, every State Department, Under Secretary of South America, of Central America, all those people tender their resignation, and the, the president spends his his whole first six months just putting people back in office, and and so you lose. I assume there's career people under them, but I but I don't know. I've never been in the State Department, but over, in the parliamentary system, the people who call them either lifers, if you're if you if you're a nasty person, or call them, uh, you know lifelong diplomats that know the area that doesn't happen in the, in the British system if, if you switch prime ministers there might be three people or ten people that resign you're not, you're not going to fire the person who's the undersecretary for South America or for the Far East or something and there's people have different views of which one of those is better or worse Carol, where, where do you, I'm not talking about the person themselves and I like the idea of people voting more than I do just the other the prime minister thing but I, I don't know. Do we really need to replace all these people every four years just for laughs? Well, okay. So you don't replace all these people. That's 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 a very convenient myth. Um, well, I know some. Patron, you know, some people stay. We, obviously. Well, we used to do that. Okay, it used to be 
that when the administration turned over, essentially everybody got canned. And and so what you were describing was true. Then that was changed. That the former system was essentially a patronage system. That was changed. Now we have the civil service branch of government, if you will, which is virtually all of them. All the people that you hear about to get fired and replaced is is just the the management layer on the very top. That's it. Well, it, it seemed like when. For whatever reason, <laughs> I, I don't know if they didn't like each other at a cocktail party or what, but uh, McConnell seemed to not like Obama from day one. It wasn't like two years into the guys, there were, there were still like 350 jobs that they wouldn't even think about approving somebody at the center or something? Yeah, but, but 350 jobs is, a, is, is literally a fly on the elephant's butt. Well, if it's, if it's every undersecretary of state we have from the entire world, it's not. Yeah, but you know what? But but all the people that actually do the work, the process, the, the visas, and the you know, the, all that, those guys are still there. Okay. And it, interestingly enough, for the most part, and, and there's there's good and bad to both sides. Okay, to go to having it both ways. The bad part of what we have now is that once you get into one of those positions, you're essentially unfireable. And and short of getting caught, you know, wanking it to porn on your on your you know, corporate-issued computer, issued by the government, of course, uh, it's, it's for all intents and purposes impossible to get rid of you, whether you're any good or not, which is a huge problem. And this was one of the things that, uh, that Trump tried to address partly with this Schedule FD stuff that, that nobody in the media really has talked much about, but it was, it was a potentially significant shift in the way that civil service worked in the United States uh, it, it got killed instantly as soon as Biden showed up. But Trump, of course, uh, you know, likes to say, well, you know, I was going to fix this. Well, yeah, okay, you, you blankety-blank. You could have done this three days after you came into office. What you instead did was did it three weeks before you left, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which meant the new administration could turn around and cancel it, and that's exactly what they did. But, the, you know, the, it could have been implemented and, and, of course, you know, the presumption that Trump had was that you know, he was going to still be there, he was still going to be president, therefore it was going to happen. And, and, okay, whatever, you know, you, you could have your little fantasy land nonsense, you lost, goodbye. Um, but the thing is that I don't know which is the better system. They both have their flaws. Right. They both have serious flaws. To say that one is better than the other, I, I, we have something much more close uh, in terms of the actual people that run the government, not the not the elected heads, but the actual people that do the work, we have something much closer to a parliamentary system now than we had for the first you know 150 years of the United States. Well, how did, how did uh, Clinton allegedly, when he was in office, he shed government workers? How did he do that? Just not hire new people? Just when? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, exactly. So, in in departments in departments controlled by the executive, which which are a lot, okay, um, he can just say, you know, the president can say, well, I'm not, I'm not replacing these people. I'm not going to hire. You know, the, this person retires. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, see, empty. You can do that. The, the the other thing that's very common within most administrations, and this was one that Trump did not do, and, and he was an idiot for not doing it. This is this is something that's directly chargeable to him. Normally what happens is when a new president comes in, every single 
assistant district attorney that's under his his control within the DOJ, and everybody everybody that can be fired gets fired. They are all asked for their resignation on the first day of the new administration's office. And, and it's simply that those people were all people that were put in by the former administration. They all have loyalty to the former administration. And unless it is the direct descendant, you know, the vice president that runs for the president's job, you can guarantee those people are going to be hostile. It's, it's absolutely certain that they're going to be hostile to the new administration. They, typically, they are all canned on the first day. And Trump did not do that. And a lot of the institutional resistance that he got within the government came from not doing it. Okay, I can understand it. By, just... the, by the way, um, the little thing that caused our, our little, little by uh, comparison, it was only about 25 handles, uh, we had the retail sales number come out uh, while we were on break. Okay, I didn't spot that. Um, unadjusted, uh, now adjusted was, was zero basically okay so uh that is not good no growth but unadjusted there is not one category in the unadjusted side that had an increase last month all of them were down that does not surprise me or you no and it but it's but it is across the board and and that's that is unusual that you that is not something i mean you know seasonal seasonality is seasonality right i mean it's starting to get it's september now Starting a little cooler, so you'd expect construction, you know, building materials, for example, to be down a little bit, right? I mean, that's you know, that's normal because it's starting to get to fall. Um, okay, so th- this, those kinds of seasonality things are are very normal. But interestingly enough, we have very high food inflation, and yet food and beverage stores were down. Well, I'm, I'm starting to see some uh, some stuff in the food area uh, actually dropping. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this is, but the demand destruction is happening. Okay, gasoline was down, but of course, you know, from a monthly perspective, gas prices have been coming down a little bit. Uh, here, they, here they, here they shot up fifteen percent in the last six weeks. Well, you know, we had a very interesting situation here about uh, about a week ago. We had we had a couple of places that had broken the three dollar barrier that were like two ninety three. Okay. And and all of a sudden, one one morning, I'm driving down the road, and as I'm driving down the road, the signs are changing, They're, and it's a thirty cent spike. We were sixty cent spike here. We went from three seventy three. Thirty thirty cent yeah. spike. So I I pulled into Murphy. I didn't need gas, but I had about half a tank left. I pulled into Murphy, which hadn't changed your sign yet, and I filled the tank instantly because I saw it going. It was it literally I was driving down the road in town here, and and then. The truck shows up, and of course, you know, two hours later, their their sign has been changed too. But then, uh, uh, literally a day later, it reversed, and then about two or three days after that, it went back up and has stayed. We went so from I, uh, I don't know exactly what was going on there, but that's kind of weird. At the Myers, where I go every Sunday, we went from three seventy three. The next week, I paid four fifty three, and now it's down to like four thirty five or something. Oh I have no Lord. idea. Well, the, you, the, you know, but, I don't know if you you caught this, but it's the media actually reported on it, which shocked me. Uh, Biden got caught trying to essentially uh, con OPEC into not announcing their cut until after the election. Unbelievable. Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise yeah, me. You know, you know, if Trump, if Trump had pulled something like that, they would have impeached him for oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what this, what this. I mean, uh, it was like it was yesterday, maybe because he ended up winning a Nobel Prize, but it was like I, I feel like I'm almost in class at Milton Friedman again, and he he would say about the cartel back in the this is you know '75, he'd say you know over time, of course, ivory tower when you got a when you're a a fully uh, touted uh, guy and they can't fire you, uh, things are okay. But he would say the hardest thing in the world is to uh, discipline a cartel, especially if they're talking about co- countries, because your instinct right. is always going to cheat, be to cheat. And how the hell is somebody going to know if you're cheating? And how does the Saudis going to figure out if if Cutter slips out another half a tank full, half a tanker load of oil? So when they say two million barrels a day, the number is really going to be what? A million two point eight hundred thousand. It's not going to be two, right? Especially if the prices do go up like they expect them to. Russia will cheat. They'll they'll sell as much as they can to India, right? I mean, well, of uh, course. So and and we're gonna we're gonna make some of that up here. And and you know it, it this market this oil market is like this all the time. God, it's been like since nineteen seventy three. I've been going through this. It comes and it goes. I mean. The, the the politics of it, but you have an awful lot of places that are exporting oil. Uh, Venezuela being out of the loop has sort of put OPEC back on the map because if they weren't, you wouldn't even know of OPEC, would you? Well, yeah, and that's and I, I mean the one of the biggest scams is all these people screaming about green energy, and yet there there is no way to do this without petroleum or for that matter things that are considered dirty you know digging digging you want to live your batteries fine you dig half of it for every car you want to make you dig half a million pounds of earth up and then the only way to separate it out that that you won't end up paying a million dollars for the battery is is in open leach pools which are ridiculously environmentally damaging and yet, and so we can't do that over here in the United States. Oh no, 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 no! That's terrible. That would it yeah. poisons the land. Well, guess where they do it over in China. Okay, yeah. and then we claim that we're green because we, we we're protecting Mother Earth. Oh well, no, we're not. We're just having somebody else do it. Or or you have eight year old kids digging up the cobalt, yeah. <laughs> which is in the Congo, and, and you know, and of course we do. But we're humanitarian. We love we love humanitarian causes, except for the eight year old kids in the Congo. Carl, I have to, uh, as I've done it to everybody else, and the listeners are probably wondering when is he going to lose this piece of paper. I have to ask you um, about your your feelings and how we can turn it. And Ed, this kind of been my theme with the, this, this short term stuff with the, the uh, uh, you know the way the politicians like like Biden. As, as long as he pushes it to the next term, he figures he can somehow fix it. I mean, push, pushing bad news forward doesn't fix anything, does it? I mean, but here I pick out this one piece of paper and. It, I'll, I'll be brief because I've said it a few times this week. From 1947 to 1979, every single section of the economy, from the bottom 20% to the top 20%, proceeded income growth was between 0.99 and 1.16. Arguably, the, the highest one was the lowest 1%. So that's over a 32-year period where I think... Not that you didn't have a lot of distress with the Vietnam War and other stuff, but economically, the U.S. was somewhat of a a happy place. I mean, obviously you had racial. I mean, what we were never totally happy, but I get that. But economically, things were all pretty much growing together. The stuff you saw was 
you know, uh, race relations that were horrible in a lot of areas that, you know, have gotten fixed, thank God, they're not 100%, but they're, but things have, we worked through a lot of problems from 47 to 79, shall we say, but 1980 to 2007, it says we grew apart. The bottom 20% is only up 15% in income from 1980 to 2007. Now, of course, we, this is just, again, it's an old piece of paper, I don't think much of this has changed, it, but this is the weirdest part, Carl, that the Top 20% grew 95%, which is three times as much as any other group. But get a of this. It's only 31% when you when you pull out the top 1%. Right. The top 1% was is 20. I, I mean, how do we how are we going to get, and I, I think it is a management sort of thing, whatever the Constitution put out there in electing people two years, six years, whatever, it all made amazing sense at the time. And, you know, it still might make sense right now. I, I can't think of a better idea. But somehow or another, we, like executives, like we have to get these people, the elected officials, like we do corporate executives, we made some progress on that, not enough in my opinion, to think longer term, past their next election. And I don't know how the hell you do that. Because right now I see a lot of that, you know, happening. Let's, let's throw out checks to people... This week, and Trump wanted to do it too, because Trump went out of office, kicking and screaming that the that the Republicans in the Senate didn't let him send out the two thousand dollar check instead of the twelve hundred dollar oh. check. So it's not like one side or the other is any different here. Somehow or another, we, we have to somehow get by that. Or all the people arguing in bars and, and, and coffee shops every night, right versus left, and hating people and throwing insults at people. We're not going to get anywhere, Carl. And it seems like we're getting further and further away from some sort of a a long-term plan here, and you throw a war in Ukraine and other stuff on top of it, even if even if you did have this long-term plan you want to put in, I mean, I mean, who knows what Bush wanted to do if 9-11 didn't happen. Chief, right? Chief think, think about this, okay? None of what has gone on for the last 30, 40 years when it comes to doing this sort of thing, throwing checks around like this, and this, the, you know, I, I don't care if it's I don't care if it's direct payments to people, the education department, you know, Medicaid, all this, all this stuff. By the way, there's, there's, there is now, um, DeSantis has has found out that when you take the Apple, the Medicaid money, that now you don't have control of it anymore because the state said, oh no, you can't use that for for gender bending surgeries on minors. And that's that's what the state said. And the federal government turned around and said, "Oh no, you have to, you have to spend it there, whether you like it or not." Right. Even though the majority of that money is actually spent by the state, it's not spent by the federal government. Once you take the poison apple, you get to you get to swallow their policy, whether you like it or not. And and it's true on the other side too. It's not just on the you know on this particular issue. It's on all of them. But the, if you think about where this all comes from. There is no authority within the Constitution to have an education department. There is no authority to have Medicaid. It doesn't exist. Right. Okay. Well, it doesn't say these, no either. These sorts of coercive shovedowns, if you will, all come after we got rid of the ability of state legislatures to fire their senators and went to direct representation in, in the senatorial side. And I've argued this for a very long time. That is the one thing that cannot be fixed with a constitutional amendment because the states would have to ratify it and the, and the Senate would have to ratify it and they won't because it would vote them out of a job. 
It also, however, means that until you return to the written letter of where the boundaries are, the Constitution it makes no difference. And people want to talk about having a con-con, a convention of states, to try to resolve this. And my answer to that is, you're crazy. If I have a law that is being ignored, and we do, to a huge degree, putting more pieces of, putting more words on more pieces of paper doesn't do anything. Right. Well, you know, this is not, by the way, before we before you go, we got to talk about this Bernanke thing, but... This is not new. Remember when they... When, oh, no, it's not. When, when people were, were bitching and moaning uh, that how can somebody be drafted at 18 but couldn't drink till he was 21. Couldn't drink. That's right. So all of a sudden, some of the states lowered the drinking age to 18 or 19. Well, how, mean, about, how about this? Where did the federal government get the authority to tell you you can't, you can't go faster than 55 miles an hour on a highway? Uh, well, I don't think they did. But uh, Well, well it, guess what? They did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but uh, but also the they said they're not going to give you federal highway money if, if you don't raise your drinking age to twenty one. Well, they, well they, they, then after they got away with it with the so called energy for fifty five mile an hour speed limit, then that's what came after that. Yeah. Well, anyway, on Bernanke, I mean, I, you know, again, I don't know anything about Nobel prizes other than the guy Nobel was the guy who invented dynamite. Look how much money he made. Uh, I, I think Bernanke got this award. For all the work he did on the depression in his book *Courage to Act*, right? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, the weird part is Milton Friedman ended up getting his for some work way after he did a *Monetary History of the United States*. He should have had the Nobel Prize the next year after that thing was published, just for that. Yeah, it's uh, the, the problem with with giving it to him now is that it is being interpreted as he saved the world in 2008, and that's why he got it. But but people just assume, where was that ever written? Everything I've ever I've read about this Nobel Prize is because he got it for his work during the Depression. Why, why do people say, you know, who, who, who came on TV and said it's, it's for his work during 2008? It's, it, it's the, I mean, you take a look at what people think. Or does, how, how does this guy, you know what, so he did his work during the Depression. You know what, you're only as good as your last dance. And as your last gig, yeah. All right, what was his last gig? His last gig set up this mess that we're in right now. Well, he also, I think the two thousand boy. You know, I can't believe I used to say this back in those days. He thinks he's fighting the depression again. I thought he was making mistakes in two thousand eight because he thought he, he thought he was fighting the depression again his own way, and he was going to redo it because that's where he did all yeah, his he research. Was crazy. Yeah, I think he did it horribly. I really do. And, right? and, and but he got a Nobel. For, you know, <laughs> he got a Nobel. But who, who are the other two guys? They got. You have the University of Chicago and the guy from somewhere else. Were, were they depression scholars as well? I, you know, I didn't look all that closely into the other two, and, and probably ought to, but I didn't. I just I saw that and I almost threw up. I was like, I, I was drinking my coffee when I saw it in the morning. Yeah. I, but I'm, all right, now we need another keyboard again. Blankety blank, you people. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not as bad as Obama getting the peace prize. No, not quite as bad. I mean, you know, hey, droning people is good for a peace prize, right? Yeah, you know who almost. Was in line for the peace prize. The governor here went to jail. Yeah, there's this this stuff is just. I mean, no. Unfortunately, this has become a bad joke. The the Nobel thing started out as as maybe well intentioned and a good way to celebrate people who did really good things, and uh, I don't know about it anymore. <laughs> well, in, in today's world, how much money do you think that guy made on dynamite? Oh boy. In today's money, I mean, I, just real quick, because we got a dash here. When they, when they, when they did the tunnels for the railroad, 
those poor guys, all those Asian, most all Chinese, they weren't just Asian, they were all Chinese. Right. Uh, they used to they used to drill holes by hand and put in black powder to to bl- blast to blast. Yeah. A, when they did Hoover Dam, they had some huge thing that would drill all the holes by power drills. They put a stick of dynamite in each hole. Much better, much different, much better. <laughs> those poor guys drinking that by hand, sticking black powder there and hoping to think. They said how many times they'd blow it up, nothing would even move. They'd have to do the same spot four or five times where they get to blow up at all. You imagine working like that? Well, you know, it's uh, technology marches on, right? I guess. But take care of yourself this weekend. Have a nice time. SP Futures now up 40. Nasdaq Futures up 128. So we're going to give it another run here today, Carol. We're a little long, so it's okay. But we will adjust because I don't know how many more days we're going to get like this. Back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. <laughs> Shut up! Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.